Well, g'day there and welcome to the Oak City Church podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today for another encouraging message from our Sunday gatherings of Oak City Church. If we can connect with you in any way, please see us at oakcitychurch.com.au or check out our socials online. We hope to see you in person soon. Hey, Oak City. It's, it's really good to be with you. My name's Tim Fies. Um, I'm from uh, Crossway Baptist Church in Melbourne. I'm part of the Building a Discipling Culture team. And so thanks so much to Jess and to Charlie for, uh, and for the cr- to the crew for uh, the invitation to just share a few thoughts with you uh, today as we head together into another year, into 2022. I mean, oh, oh my goodness, what could possibly go wrong? Um, but it's, it's been a real privilege to be on, 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 on a journey um, with you guys. I know that you know Dale and Edie Stevenson and that Edie's been uh, investing in the team for, for, for months and, and months now, and she loves that, and I know you guys really, really uh, appreciate that as well, but it's a, it's a real privilege to be with you, and, and so I, I'd love us to just uh, look at a passage of Scripture today. And, uh, but before I do that, it's funny, I just, got a, I just got a text message from my wife, my darling wife Sarah, who's at the tennis today. We went together yesterday, and she's there with her best mate, uh, her, her best friend today, and uh, <laughs> she just sent me a text and saying, oh, Tim, you'll never guess what happened. I said, what, what was that? And she goes, oh, when we got to the tennis, we, we walked through the wrong door. <laughs> and I don't know if you're the type of person who, uh, who, who always falls on their feet. Uh, my wife Sarah is one of those people. I said, we, which door was it? She goes, it was the door to centre court. Anyway, so they're, they're sitting watching Ash Barty or Rafa uh, play their hearts out right now. And <laughs> Sarah just walked through a door, which is, um, which is what she does. And so uh, you guys are stuck with me. So my apologies for that when you could be watching the tennis. But uh, anyway, it's really good to be with you. And I just want to share with you, actually out of a passage of scripture that I'm, I'm sure, if you've been a part of church for any amount of time, you'll be really familiar with her. It's Mark. With it. It's Mark chapter 1. So if you want to turn there in your Bible, I'm going to read it. But uh, for me, I, I love this story because in it is, is contained this idea, all, all the key ingredients, all the key um, pieces, all the key principles of what it means to make disciples like Jesus made disciples are contained in this story. Jesus didn't reserve them for the advanced course, you know, you know, not just discipleship 101, but discipleship 8 billion and one. He didn't do that really. He didn't reserve the advanced training for the elites. No, no, no. Right from the beginning, he, 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 he started to put in place for everybody, for all the guys he was going to call to be a part of his crew, so that they would then, as he invested in a few for the sake of the many, as they started to invest beyond their lives, they would be able to invest the very same principles and the very same practices into the lives of other people. And they all start here in Mark chapter 1. And it's fascinating because I'm gripped by, and, and, and really it's been this growing, growing conviction over Oh, the best part of the last 10 years at Crossway is we've really lent in year after year, month after month, week after month, day after day, day um, you know, through the exhilarating moments and the challenges and the setbacks and the, and, 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 the, and the mistakes, but also the breakthroughs. But we've lent into this key idea that the way Jesus made disciples, he always intended for you and me to be able to do it. That, that, that no one's excluded, that no one's disqualified, and it's never too late to start, and that the Gospels are not just there to amaze us with the stories, but that actually they're there to show us the way that Jesus, just with 12 people, invested in simple, repeatable ways so that they could learn not only to grow themselves, but, but learn to pass it on. So it was simple, repeatable, and transferable. And, and generation after generation turned the world upside down. And this, this movement that Jesus started, it's reached Sydney. It's reached 
the west of Sydney. It's reached the Bible Belt of Melbourne. It's reached the ends of the earth in so many ways. And it really starts here in Mark chapter 1. And it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful passage of Scripture. So I just want to read it and then just make a few thoughts about it. Because as we head into this year, what does it mean for us to be and bring good news to the people around us? What does it mean for everybody to get to play in this. Not just the elites, not just the talented maverick evangelists. And one of the great things that I've loved about the Crossway journey is watching people who thought who thought they weren't, you know, amazing enough, extroverted enough. They didn't walk around, you know, with with, with you know being able to explain six day creationism of the you know, in so in, with encyclopedic knowledge off the top of the top of their head or they didn't have that information on the tip of their tongue. And they've learned, no 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 no, what does it mean for you? to be good news? What does it mean for you to bring good news to people? What does it mean for you to, to, to not just disciple Christians, but what does it mean for you to disciple people towards faith? And to then live by faith and then to be able to disciple others. And it all starts in this incredible story, Mark chapter 1. It says this, after John, uh, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, literally the kairos has come where there's divine initiative and human opportunity. God is already at work. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Not, not, not just kingdom of God, you know, eschatological, amazing, you know, cataclysmic, but also, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Best definition I know of the kingdom of God is, is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will being done in your life and in mine. So really what Jesus is at least in part saying here is the kingdom of God has come near. God's will is within your reach. And so repent and believe the good news. <laughs> turn. Whatever's going on in life, turn towards what he's saying. Whatever else is going on in life, turn towards, toward, towards what he is doing. And take a step of trust. Just one step. Just one. But what if, what if, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't get distracted by second guessing, by overthinking, by overengineering. What is, listen as best you can and respond without delay, one step at a time. Repent and believe the good news. It's a big message to start with. And then what Mark does is he breaks it down and says, what does that look like right from the beginning? And this beautiful story that flows straight out of what Jesus says here. It's almost like a, this is the very first illustration of what that looks like. And it says this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. <laughs> I love this story. I love it. And I don't know how you read it. But it seems to me that if you read it from a particular point of view, which I actually think is a really easy point of view to read it from, it actually can almost mislead us, this story, because it sounds like Jesus just swoops in like Superman and says, come follow me. It's the first time he's ever come across any of these people. And, you know, fortunately, they're Batman and Robin and Wonder Woman and, you know, the Green Lantern. And they, and they, um, and, and they, they just leave everything and follow him because they're amazing and incredible and superheroes themselves. And, you know, it sort of reinforces this idea, if we're not careful, that they're all amazing and we are just losers. They just are superheroes and we sort of suck, really. And I don't know, it's, it seems to me, I know a lot of people who love Jesus, but that's the way that we so often read scripture. It's amazing and we're sort of terrible. And yet this story, if we read this through that lens and think this is the first time that Jesus 
had ever met these guys, for instance? <laughs> that he just swooped in randomly and called them and they were all amazing? Uh, th- then I think we misunderstand what's the start of this journey. Jesus is totally up for starting at the beginning to go through the middle and go to, the, to get to the end. And it's interesting with the four gospel stories that we've got, they, they, write, they give distinct but complementary perspectives on the, the backstory and on the, the origin story of the disciples. And it's interesting because if you read John chapter 1, you know that Jesus goes looking for his very first disciples amongst John the Baptist's own disciples. Um, he's looking for where God's already at work. I mean, it's not rocket science what Jesus is doing. I love it. <laughs> he goes looking for people who God's already at work. So he starts with his cousin's disciples because his cousin's mission statement is prepare the way for the Lord. I love it. It's not rocket science. So he goes looking in an obvious clear place. And he's, what he'll do is he'll follow relational pathways, looking for what in Luke chapter 10 are called people of peace, people who God's already at work with. And he'll start looking for them. It's interesting. If you look at Luke chapter 4 and 5, they give a complementary perspective on, on the story that we've just read here. And in Luke 4, Luke makes a point of saying, yeah, before all this happened, he, Jesus was actually at home, in the home of Peter and Andrew. He actually, he was accepting their hospitality. He was actually, um, he was actually eating and drinking with them and, and, and enjoying their company and they, and you know, answering the questions. And he makes a point of that. In fact, he'd already healed uh, Peter's mother in Lord Jesus before he gets to this moment where he says, come follow me and from now on you'll fish for people. He's already been following relational pathways, looking and looking amongst the people who he who he already knows. But then as he meets people, looking through the people that he'll meet, permanent relationships and passing relationships, people that he knows, people that he meets, and he's looking for these signs that God's already at work. And if you look through the Gospels, then you look through the book of Acts, you look through the, the whole of the New Testament, you'll see this principle, the person of priest principle, where God's already at work. We don't have to make it up as we go. Uh, for a lot of people, certainly myself, it, it's felt like for so long sharing at my faith or sharing our faith feels like it's, we're walking the plank. You know, oh, I've got to find the, I've got to find someone. I've got to, and somehow I've got to get the topic onto, you know, the doctrine of substitutionary atonement, and I've got to get a decision on the, on the, on the spot. And if I don't, there's something wrong with me. And yet, what I watch Jesus doing is not starting with go hard or go home. He starts with. Not just come follow me and from now on you're fish for people. Let's go back. Luke 4, he starts with, yes, Peter, I'd love to come for tea. <laughs> That's where he starts the journey. Is that fascinating? When I first became a Christian, I became, it was right at the beginning of uni. So I become a Christian and put my trust in Jesus. It was amazing. It was exhilarating. It was mind-blowing. And remember, what, we, what, what our Christian group, that we would, one of the things that we would do is we'd go and do like cold turkey evangelism thing, like cold calling people. And we'd you know, walk up to someone and say, you know, can we talk to you about spiritual things I think we had a line that we'd sort of use on people and it was like and it's really cool don't get me wrong the Holy Spirit's prompting us to do it we totally do that but it was like this the motto was go hard or go home (laughs) and some people came to Christ through that but go hard or go home that was like and if you're not going hard or going home then you're really lukewarm that's really the sort of like the subliminal sometimes explicit message that we'd give people and what's really interesting here is Jesus doesn't start with go into the world and make disciples of all nations that's Matthew 28 that's why he's been on the journey for three, three and a half years with the guys uh, before he gives them that. And it's not like a bait and switch thing, but it makes sense there. He says, long with you to the end of the age. He says, my relationship and commitment to you is, 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 is absolutely certain, rock solid. And so go into the world and make disciples of all nations. So live with purpose. Not with, 
Nobody, don't feel bad about someone hidden agenda. It's not a hidden agenda. Go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's what he says. It's really interesting because those key ideas of relationship and purpose are still here, right at the beginning, but it's different because he's starting at the beginning. He says, come follow me. Relationship. He says, from now on, you'll fish your people. Live with purpose. But it's okay. We'll get to the Great Commission. How about we start with, what's your next step? And for them, their next step was to leave their nets and follow him. And the way that Mark writes about this and Matthew writes about this is he's, they're not going to leave their nets. It's like Superman behavior. Leaving their nets is one simple, quick step. Listening as best they can and responding without delay. Listening as best they can and not overthinking the action or the plan, but simply taking one step. And so their journey begins. Not with signing the fine contract, but starting with a relationship and starting with a, a challenge to live with purpose, a challenge to grow and change. But it's all on the basis of this single idea that God's already at work. And there are people who God's already at work with. It's fantastic. And they're the people that we start. So can I encourage you? As you head into, the, into 2022, who knows what it, can, what, it, what it holds for us. Anybody who says, I think, any, anybody who uses the word strategic plan these days, I think probably, need, no, we don't do strategic plans anymore. Like, I think tentative pathway, I think that's probably about as rock solid as we can get. But here's the thing. The words, the ways, and the works of Jesus have, have, have embedded and, and contextualized in so many different cultures, in so many different contexts, in so many different moments in history. Even in the pages of Scripture, Turkey, Greece, Italy, Cyprus. The, the words, the ways, and the works of Jesus weren't just bound for Jesus' day and Jesus' age. But what do they look like in your world as, as, they, as, as, as 2022 heads forward? What, what, who are the people who God's already at work with in your world? Who are the people? And these three ideas, I think you'll see them. There's not like a proof, I can't proof text this, but if you look, these three ideas come up again and again and again. Who likes you, who listens to you and serves you? Who likes you? Likes you. Who listens to you and who serves you? There's something in their heart that has your best interests at heart. Who are those people? I, I remember the first time I started looking for, for these kinds of people, these signs that God's already at work. I, that's, how, that's how we really, uh, my, my family, Sarah and I, we, 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 we connected with the family across the road. Claire hated God but liked, listened and served us. And we've been on a journey, a spiritual journey. Sarah's been discipling her towards Faith. I think of one of my mates, Gavin, who grew up um, grew up in the Catholic Church, and that's totally cool. That's totally cool. But he grew up not relationship with Jesus, just like any other church. But um, you can do this. But grew up not relationship with Jesus, but grew up with like um, the the church trappings and traditions and stuff that didn't mean anything to him. And so it was really interesting as I connected with him and started to disciple him towards faith. So police officer he's twice my size and could snap me with his little finger but here's the interesting thing i was just looking for what's the next step how can i help him hear god for himself and take a next step <laughs> and and the principles of this are all here so god's already at work there are people in your world if if you will look for them there are people and the signs will not be neon neon sign in the sky necessarily in fact probably not that's okay won't be an audible voice it might be that but it's okay if it's not but in Scripture, the pattern is who likes you, listens to you, and serves you. 
It's really interesting because he then says this, come follow me and from now on you'll fish with people. This is where he starts with these guys. And it's interesting because he doesn't start with go into the world and make disciples of all nations, you know. He doesn't start, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be witnesses to Judea and Samaria, etc. He doesn't start like that. He starts at the beginning. And he's looking for language. He's looking for ideas that resonate with him at the beginning of the journey. And so he says, come follow me. That's the language of Jewish hopes. <laughs> These are good Jewish boys. Andrew, Peter, James and John. And he's using their language. He's not coming going, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. He's not using that like cosmic language, which is awesome. No, but in this moment, no, he's... What's language that can put the, the, the good news within arm's reach of them? It's fascinating. The, the, the good news is, 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 is defined and is, is, is clarified by the context in which Jesus finds people. So come follow me. The, the language of Jewish hopes. And from now on, you'll fish for people. It's the language of small business ownership. <laughs> from now on, you've been fishing. And, and, and Jesus is not going, it's sinful to fish. He's just saying there's more than you imagine with regards to living your life with purpose. And I want to invite you to take the next step. And so they leave their nets and follow him. It resonates with them. And he's not trying to do seeker sensitive, though that's, that's totally fine. But I'm just going, he's, he's not trying to softly, softly, don't rock the boat, don't offend anyone. Because he's happy to poke people's bear. But he wants, to, he wants them to, he wants to do it in, with language and with ideas. And, and in the context of a growing relationship of trust and trustworthiness, where when he pokes, it's a challenge. It's not just offensive or annoying. In fact, it's really interesting because if you particularly read these opening chapters of the Gospels, really what you, what you see Jesus being is conspicuously spiritual, if I can put it like that. He is just being spiritual uh, with people in different ways. You know, it says that he often withdraws to lonely places to pray, so he's a person of prayer. But not only that, he extends forgiveness when, as a religious leader, people are expecting him to withhold forgiveness. Or he, 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 he heals. Or he, he reaches out and touches a leper before he heals the leper. And so technically becomes unclean. So probably freaks the religious people out in doing that. He eats and drinks with tax collectors. And he responds to the invitation of people of peace. The first thing Matthew does is open up his social network when he comes to Christ. It's fascinating, but he's just being conspicuously spiritual. If I could put that in, in and I, I find that language helpful. Some people would go, you know, to be upfront. But uh, for me, it, it, being conspicuously spiritual is not about being extroverted or knowledgeable. It's about being obvious and not annoying. <laughs> obvious and not annoying. And for me, it's just helpful because for some of us, it, and generally my experience is this, generally we have to work on one or the other. We need to be more obvious because we, we, you know, we're so not obvious that I think Jesus is not quite sure. So we need to be more obvious, which actually at the beginning can feel like we're being abrasive or confrontational and when, when actually we're just getting used to being obvious. Or some people actually need to actually become less annoying. Um, and it's, that can feel like watering down, watering things down or letting things go through. Uh, that we've got to stand up for the truth, which again, again, there are moments when we're going to need to stand up for the truth, but some people, their way and their tone is so annoying that people are just too busy being annoyed to be offended by the gospel. I've got no problem with being offended by the gospel, but not just annoyed by its wrapping. And so what I watch Jesus doing, it's been conspicuously spiritual. So who in your world, as you, as you look for people of peace, how do you find them? Be a person of prayer, but be somebody who's conspicuously spiritual. And as people who God's already at work with, they won't even know what they don't know. But as they start to show themselves, just take a step towards them. 
and let them start taking steps towards you. It's really interesting because Jesus, all the way through, he won't change the rules once they start, these guys start putting their trust in him. And as that journey, as that relationship strengthens, and as there are those challenges and those invitations as they journey through life together over the next few years, what I find fascinating is that Jesus doesn't go shift gears and change once they start trusting him. He disciples them towards faith and then disciples them to live by faith and out of that trains them to disciple people who will make disciples themselves and generation after generation after generation. One more idea out of this that I just find super, super helpful. And it's this. There's four people in this story and Jesus and Zebedee who must be, who must be uh, not very happy with his boys who, who have just left the business that he was probably wanting to re- take early retirement and give to them that they've just left with him. But that's another story. But, but you've particularly got these four people, Andrew and Peter and James and John. It's one third of a group that will become 12. And what strikes me Again, it's counterintuitive, but what strikes me is that it's only 12. That Jesus is looking for people who God's already at work with. And he's looking for a few. Not millions. Like if anybody could disciple millions, I suppose Jesus could. But Jesus goes, that's not how discipleship works. That's not, not, that's not how making disciples who make disciples who make disciples works. That's not how it works. It's finding a few and investing in them for the sake of the many. It's fascinating. Twelve is not many when you, with respect, when you are the Son of God and the Word made flesh. It's like it's not many. And yet Jesus is absolutely committed to this principle that we need to as well. Because if we all grab this, we invest in a few, not a billion, not just one. A few for the sake of the many. We will see changes that maybe we dare not almost dream of now because if we invest in a few and they learn how to, how to how to make disciples of a few themselves that's how the generations in the early church that's how the generations move from one to another to another that's how it didn't just get stuck in first century Judaism in Palestine but it spread through Cyprus and through uh, Turkey and through um, and, and, and through uh, Italy and through Greece headed to India, headed into northern Africa, headed across Asia. It's a fascinating spread, but it was always a few by multiplying few. So who are the people of peace? Who is God already at work with in your world? I want to encourage you to look for them. And here's the thing. It won't be everyone, and that's okay. But it won't be no one. Look for the people who God's already at work with. And then find the people who like you, listen to you, and serve you. That's where the sign, that's what the signs will be. That's how it worked with Jesus, that's how, how it worked with the, the early disciples. That's how it works. It's, they're the signs that God's already at work with them. And, and look for those few. And then ask the question how can you start to disciple them towards faith? One of the joys of my life over last year and, and, and a bit of the year before was, even though we were in lockdown, um, I got the opportunity to uh, disciple my aunt towards faith, my dad's only sister. And uh, it was just one of the great joys. Um, as I actually, at one point, I, was, I, I realized I'd known her my whole life, but I started to listen and respond to her in a way that was just going, asking the question, 
with the, of whether God was actually at work with her or already. And she had no faith. She attended very, very irregularly, you know, the odd Easter. Um, but no, no, no faith to speak of. And I remember asking her to read the Bible with me. And she said yes. And so we would just read. We'd read through the, the Gospel of Mark. And she joined a faith community. And she started a daily prayer life. And, she started, and we would read the Bible together. And we would something would stand out. And the thing that stood out to me, I would um, identify one thing that I could do. She would identify one thing that she could do. And we would just journey through life holding each other accountable through sharing the stories of what came out. And, you know, every week and a half we'd read together and it's just amazing watching her start to put her trust in Jesus. Just the most amazing thing. I, I would never, ever have thought that I could be a part of something like that. You know, I think of Gavin, you know, it's not millions of people. But I tell you, if we learn to invest in a few for the sake of the many, I tell you, the West of Sydney and beyond will never be the same again. So thanks so much for the opportunity to share with you guys. I'm Jess and Charlie and the crew. Thank you so much. Um, I hope that, and I'm, my earnest prayer is that, um, is that 2022, that you guys will, I know you, that you, there will be battles, but uh, my prayer is that you will see breakthroughs uh, in, in, in relationships with people who, who don't know Jesus and that they would not just put their trust in Jesus, but would learn to disciple people around them as well. So God bless you and uh, thank you so much.